afternoon, everybody. Thank you for joining Hashtag No Limits. I'm your host, Shelly Kino, and my guest today is Nicolette Lesniak. And Hashtag No Limits is about people whose society has placed limits upon, but who have busted through those limits. And I believe that there is no better example of busting through limits than the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. Ophelia says in Hamlet, we know what we are, but not what we will be. And I feel like the, again, the example of the caterpillar turning into the butterfly is perfect because it has to struggle. I can't imagine that the butter, the caterpillar thought it was ever going to do anything but crawl around. And then it dissolves into its cells. It reforms into the butterfly. It fights to get out of the cocoon so it can have the strength to fly. And then it's flying. And I think our students, I think our population of people who have disabilities, absolutely, this pertains to them. But it also pertains to everybody. It has to be a struggle, unfortunately, for all of us in order to grow, in order to learn. And when we can have support systems to help us do all of those things, it is amazing. And Nicolette is someone who is a support to an amazing group of students. Um, I'm going to let her tell you all the wonderful things about herself. And if she forgets some, I'm going to throw some in there because she's constantly telling me, well, now I'm doing this and now I'm doing this. And it's all to help so many people. So Nicolette, thank you for joining me today and welcome to Hashtag No Limits. Oh, thank you so much, Shelly. I'm so happy to be here. And just so that symbols of butterfly is just like us as teachers. Um, I know that you said I do a lot of things. And yeah, I'm, I'm doing a lot of things all a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I'm currently doing right now when I'm coming to supporting my families and my, um, and my students is actually we're developing a communication plan so that every single child is being included with the general education peers that was in my classroom. So let me just go back a little bit. <laughs> um, an intensive needs teacher. Um, I do sixth, seventh, and eighth. And my soapbox at my school is always inclusion, inclusion, inclusion. How are we going to get my kids who included more within the education? 15 minutes is not inclusion. Inclusion is being diving del deep in that science class and that math class and that history class. And if, yeah, if my kids didn't have a break and stem in the background, that's what they need to do, but they're still included in their general, with the general education peers. And one way I do this is to make sure I'm partnering with the parents as well as partnering with the teachers um, because the teachers who I support also on the side um, really, really, really have to understand what is going on with a particular student in order to support them in the classroom. Um, so I, I need to take a breath from it. <laughs> Um, that was that was a lot. Just telling. Yes. So, um, so she is a teacher. She's working with students, but she's also an entrepreneur, and she works with teachers on the side. Um, she has. She and I have known each other for a few years now. We both are master IEP coaches, um, and so she's doing that as well. And she's um, been one of the top uh, teachers in her state for two years now. Um, she just told me that recently that she yes. was, yes. <laughs> was put up for that again. So congratulations for that. Um, so I'll let you go ahead now that you had your breath. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, I get over, sometimes I get overly excited. I start talking so fast and then I forget where I'm going and lose my breath. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm 
my whole thing is inclusion and making sure that my students are being included. Um, it takes a lot of hard work um, and I like supporting parents as well as teachers. So while I'm sitting here right now, my phone's going off. It's from teachers and parents trying freaking out because school begins next week. Um, and they're all like, what's gonna happen now? What's gonna happen with this? What are we gonna do with this? But the main thing, and I know that Shelly can tell you, is communication. You know, if every single person is communicating, things are going to go a little bit smoother than people just assuming things. Um, so I know as my teachers I support, they are really having a hard time because there's a lot of teachers who are brand new to the field. And um, this last year was a whirlwind of a year. Yeah. Um, and I really don't want to repeat last year, um, but just giving each other some grace and being able to say, okay, here is my child. Here's how I, we support him at home. How in the world can we help you support the student and your classroom? So um, one way you guys can do that as parents or as educators who are watching this is have a little quick um, sheet of paper, a snapshot of what your child likes and does doing, or send them out a Google form and says, hey, what does your child like doing? What do they like eating? You know, so that you can get that buy-in from the parents as well as be able to support them or to be able to kids be able to reach their goals. Um, it's hard nowadays, especially with a lot of things coming at us in regards to um, inclusion, in regards to making sure they're making their test scores, in regards to, you know, a lot of things because last year wasn't a good year no. and um, now we're trying to, everyone's trying to catch up from last year. Um, but we can't put limits on our students. We can't keep on continuing to tell them, hey, you, just because you have intellectual disability, you got to stay in this classroom. That's putting a limit on them. They need to be able to grow and become like butterflies and be able to express themselves, even the way they do it, either through the assistive tech device, through picture cues, verbally, so they can say to each other what they want, what they like doing, instead of just being in such a isolation. Right. And so there, there's, there's so much to unpack in just what you've said so far. Um, so the first thing I really want to unpack is what you said um, earlier about inclusion, that it's not just 15 minutes, and it's also not just going into the general education classroom and then sitting off to the side and having separate education or not being fully incorporated into the classroom. So talk a little bit more about when you say inclusion, what you mean, what you think that it looks like, and then give some other examples of how teachers, because I do have teachers and parents that watch these, um, how teachers, what kinds of things can maybe a special ed teacher say to a gen ed teacher to get the gen ed teacher more on board, but if they're a gen ed teacher, what can they ask of their special education teacher? So I just gave you a whole bunch of stuff to yeah. unpack there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so when I say it's not just 15 minutes, I have run across um, IEPs. I know every, where it says on paper that a student is included for like 45 minutes, mm -hmm. but in reality, they're included for 15 minutes or, you know, they have a, a paraprofessional with them. Oh, they were started crying in the class. So I pulled them out and brought them back to the room. You, you can't do that. If the IEP says they're included for the whole 45, 90 minutes of the classroom, they need to stay within that classroom. Yeah, they can get a break, come out of the classroom for a little bit, but don't walk the child all the way back to a self-contained classroom because they didn't fulfill their minutes. Um, 
And how I do that is I work with all my teachers in my building where I have kids included and I write a plan for them. So it's like an inclusion plan. And it says, if they're working on life skills activities in regards to identifying um, a caterpillar or identifying or doing a graphic organizer, I write down the steps the student's supposed to be able to do for that task. Then I also list below that, if the child begins to do this, do this. If a child begins to do this, do this. So it's actually the action plan, what they're supposed to be doing within that lesson, as well as the behavior cue if they become off task. So every single person who's working with that student has that plan right there. They know how to redirect the child or the student or whoever else is in that classroom to get them back on task. That's um, awesome, but that takes a lot of work, I imagine. It does take a lot of work, especially when you have 10 students or more than that, and they're all included. There are some students I don't even see at all. They're included 100% of the time, nice. yet they are on a non-diploma track, but they're included 100% of the time. So it is a lot of work um, to do that. So when you say like what, like, so you use the example of a graphic organizer. So um, have you, I'm assuming you have to have talked to the teacher ahead of time and then the gen ed teacher, and then you're using like their accommodations or how do you kind of know what to give an example of, like I said, the graphic organizer, like, where did you get that specific tool for that student to use? I meet with a general education teacher ahead of time. Our school has PLCs, uh, which meet. And then from there, I attend all of the PLCs that my students are, are with, or I meet with them before school or after school, depending upon my schedule for the day. And they tell me what activities the student is doing, all the whole class is doing. And okay, so how can we break this down to have Johnny, who is nonverbal, participate in this activity? Oh, I know, I can develop pictures that he can put on the graphic organizer instead of writing them in there with words. So it's a combination of things. They come with me with a task. I'm like, okay, how can we actually meet the student's needs? And then I and them develop the task for them, give it back to the student. The student now has that same exact task that everyone else does. It just looks different the way they're filling it out. So, okay. so sorry for a second. What's a PLC? Oh, uh, professional learning committee. Okay. Yeah. All right. so, Cause that's not something I have in my area. So. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it, it's one of those hot buzzwords right now. Um, it might change next year. Sure. But it's basically when all the content level level individuals within a school come together. So all the sixth grade teachers come together for English, all the seventh grade teachers come together for science and they develop lesson plans for a particular unit all together. And then that's where they analyze data. They look at what strengths that students are going through, what modifications they give to kids. Um, how can they break down the standards even more for all learners, not just learners who have special needs. Wow. That's incredible because that also then builds in, it sounds like time for teachers to talk where yeah. the schools that I've worked in and so many other schools that I've heard from other teachers is there's no time to collaborate with not just the gen ed teachers, but certainly definitely not the special education teachers. So having that as a committee and saying you have to do this and here's the time that you're going to do that, that's absolutely awesome. So I hope there are more schools around the country that have systems like that in place. And if not, and you're watching and you're a teacher, ask your administrator, if you're watching and you're an administrator, <laughs> get that going because that's that's huge. I mean, that was one of the things I think that was the most difficult for me was I was always 
trying to catch teachers to talk to them. And, you know, they had a thousand and one things going on and I had a thousand and one things going on. And oftentimes, you know, it would be way too long before we would have a chance to communicate. And then it was, okay, you have five, five minutes of my time because that's all I have right now. Right. And it, it, there, there didn't allow for a lot of a, a collaboration in those environments. Yeah, I mean, before we had the PLCs, I would be running around um, the school during teachers' breakup periods or lunch periods or prep periods, running from one classroom to the other classroom. I still do that, <laughs> um, but now I also have a structured time if we're working with individual teachers if a kid's included for science, history, social studies, too. Right. So I, I just thought of something. So as the parents are watching, because I think I have a, a higher population of parents than, than educators that watch. So what can a parent do? Can we, can we have that written into the IEP that the teachers have to have time to collaborate with one another? Yeah, you can. Um, it's going to be in the accommodations. Um, I do a lot with my accommodations. Like I said, student will, con oh, sorry, teacher will collaborate with parent or parents will collaborate with teachers or teachers will collaborate with general education teachers. Um, I always write those in my IEPs so that everyone is aware of what is going on um, because teaching is not in isolation. It takes a team. Um, so that's why we really make sure that it is team driven. Um, and parents are part of that team. So if you feel like something is not going really well, reach out to that team so things can get changed. Right. So do you, so as an accommodation, sorry, this is like mind blowing to me. Um, <laughs> so as a, you can't give it a number of minutes. So how do you, if it's an accommodation, how do you make sure that it's, that it's being followed? Um, I have a log that I fill out. Okay. And also, too, depending upon the specific student, I can write it in as a consult minute. So if it's someone okay. that is um, has multiple disabilities, I'm writing down that the teacher will communicate with a physical therapist, the teacher will communicate with a special ed teacher, the teacher will communicate with the OT, the teacher, you know, just things back and forth. And we give it a number of minutes. Um, and that's part of their service. That's awesome. Although I can already hear feedback and it being pushback from the teachers in this, in my area and maybe other places too. I'm just thinking of how um, we're so set in doing things a certain way that, yeah. that they'll say, oh, well, the teacher always talks to the other teacher. Or the, the, the therapist always talks to the teacher. They, we don't need to write that down. So yeah, what what do you have a recommendation? I'm all about recommendations lately because I'm stuck in a situation and it's driving me crazy. Um, so what recommendation if they don't want to write it down? Um, for my related service, I know this is different because it's not on the parent side, but for my related service, I have a log um, right when I came into my classroom. So the first thing that the related service people see is that log uh -huh. and they have to put down what time they came into the room. Um, and also for my parents, they have a log and they write down in their logs how many times they communicated me each week or how many times they communicated me with me each month. Um, just recently I had a parent email me and says, hey, you said you sent me that email and I received it. I need to log it. So please go ahead and just resend that email to me so I can log that we communicated for 30 minutes over the summer to prepare for back to school. So we have all of that. So it takes a lot of communication back and forth. Uh -huh. um, and parents and teachers have to be willing to communicate with each other in order for it to work. Um, right, exactly. And that, that's where I'm thinking. And I had things like that in place with my T 
teacher with my, well with both um, teachers and parents of like okay this is when we communicated and you know this week we did it by phone or we did it by email and this is kind of the summary of the conversation and uh, that sort of thing but it was never written into the IEP and it wasn't ever looked at by administration or the parent you know I didn't it was really just me doing it I guess is what okay. I'm trying to say so that's awesome that's fabulous yeah. and yeah. so those those of you that are listening um, you know. I don't know everything there is to know to add into IEPs. Nicolette wouldn't know everything that there is either. Um, but we can all, this is this is what's so wonderful about collaboration is because you can learn from others things that you didn't know or you weren't maybe achieving at the same level as somebody else. And so um, Nicolette and I both are, like I said, master IEP coaches, but we're not in competition with each other. No. We are here to help all the students that we can achieve to their potential. So for any gen ed teachers and special ed teachers that are watching, please reach out to your counterparts and collaborate with them. And don't feel as though if you don't know something that somehow speaks poorly of you. Nobody can know everything. <laughs> I don't know everything. And we all want to learn. I mean, I hope we all want to learn. So, okay, so we'll move off of that topic. Okay, so going back to the PLC and the inclusion. And um, so they're supposed to be in there, like you said, for 45 minutes was your example. Um, you write this document of how they can stay in there during that time. And where do you get that information as far like that's your team that has decided how long they should be included, correct? Right. So I get the information from the minute section. So if the team decided the IEP meeting that they want their child to be included for the whole 45 minutes um, of the art class, English class, or whatever class, then from there I develop my plan um, saying, okay, students being included for 45 minutes, here's what needs to be happened. Um, work with the general education teacher, let the parent know what's going on, um, how the kid did well that day, bad that day. Um, just so that everyone is aware of a student's progress within that inclusion model. Right. And it looks differently for every student. Some students have to build it up, while other students just go in their full force right. in, in the classroom and they come back. Like I have one student who's in his classes for the whole 45, 90 minutes and he's full force. He's on, he's on, he's on, he's on. He comes back into my room and says, wow. Okay, I, I need I need my ten minute break. That was just so much talking, so much information. I need my break because he was on the whole time, right? You know? And then he needs to come back and decompress. So you give him that decompress time. Take your five ten minutes. Let me know when you're ready. We can begin working on that homework from that class. You know, right? Um, because a lot of kids who have um, intensive needs or who are not normally included they're trying so hard to be accepted and to be wanted and needed in the other classroom that they they're on 10 the whole not like not like on time like jumping up and down but they want to make sure everything is perfect right um, they're so working they're, really really hard to control all of those behaviors right that are part of the reason likely that they're not included in everything and they're doing their best to absorb all the information because that's another reason they might not be included normally and yeah, so it's like, you know, if you were to uh, meet the, the president of the United States every single day and you knew you had to be 100% on your game, that's exhausting. Yes. yes. You know, 
And so just, just knowing that the child is going through that and then you, and, and what would happen? So for example, if the child was in that class for 45 or 90 minutes, and then they went to another gen ed class right after that, and they had to do the same thing. What they have a break pass. Okay. So all of them have a, a, pass, a break to pass to go to see Ms. Lesnick or need a pass to go to the bathroom. And usually what happens is, or the pass that goes to the social worker and they get that pass, they go to the social worker or they go see come my classroom and they, they get their stuff for their break drawers out. It could be coloring, it could be music, it could be whatever, just to get them self-stuttered uh -huh. and back together again, um, or just walking around the campus with support. Um, then they go back to class. Go, okay, yeah, I'm ready to go back to class now. Because um, sometimes it is hard um, to go from one class to the other class to another class. So I try to, when I'm building my schedules, have a break in between each time. So right. they have 45 minutes with a general education class, 45, 90 minutes with me. You know, 45 minutes with a strip of the break general education class, 45, 90 minutes with me. So they have that break in between. So they not feel like they're holding it in all together. So because I don't want them to have a breakdown by the time they go home from school. Because that's what happens sometimes. You know, they're holding it in, holding it, holding it, and then they get home and they're just crying or upset. And the parents like, what happened today? Like, well, you know, he didn't have a break, you know, or she didn't have a break. So just being able to alternate that. Yeah. And the reason I started to smile is because that was going to be my next question or my next path was that's so important because oftentimes, like you just mentioned, kids will get home and home is safe. Home is where they can truly 100% be who they are. And a lot of behaviors come out at home, but yet the teachers will say, we don't see those behaviors at school. So we don't have to deal with those. We don't need to address those at school or in the IEP. And it's for the exact reason that you just said that it does need to be addressed at school and in the IEP because it does carry over from school to home. Yeah, and so that's why also when I have my meetings with my parents, I always ask them point blank, what is going on at home that might affect the student at school? What's okay. having changes happen at home? Anything you need me to be aware of? And I have those heart-to-heart, -heart, you know, conversations. And I'm like, can I want the other day? I'm not at administration. I'm not the school lawyer. I'm not any of that. I'm the teacher wanting to support your child in my class and be able to transition around the classroom. So what is going on? And so one parent said, well, he stopped taking off his clothes at home now. I'm like, okay, that's awesome. That's yeah. Awesome. What else is going on? And they're like, well, we just found out we need to be more structured at home. So just like you're structured at school, you want to do structure now at home because now he's getting through everything. So just, so just being able to communicate that with the parent so they know that whatever I'm working on at school, whatever the teacher's working on at school can also translate over to home. So it's not, so it's generalized. I'm gonna make generalized IEP goals. I make goals that are gonna go anywhere. When kids learn something, it's really, really hard for them to learn it in isolation. And then they have to go out and do it someplace else. And they don't know what to do right. because they learned it for a specific pur purpose. Right. So every single thing I'm doing with a student, we have to make sure we generalize that skill. If we're learning how to cook breakfast at, in my classroom, I'm going home and sending those recipes to the parents. Hey, we did this this today. Why don't you guys practice cooking breakfast with your child this week and tell me how it went? You know, if yeah. we're learning how to like make a bed, 
I'm going to bring my air mattress in so they can practice making a bed in the classroom and they could turn around and make their bed at home. You know, so it's not just, oh, it's something I do at school. You do the stuff at home too. Right, right. Absolutely. So when you, I just want to touch base really quick. So when you say you have your, the students have the most intense needs, so do they all have the same eligibility for their IEP or are, do you have multiple eligibilities that you see throughout your day? I have multiple eligibilities throughout my day. So okay. um, I have students with learning disabilities. I have students with cognitive delayed. I have students um, with autism, ADHD, OCD. I mean, I have physical impairments. I have everything within my classroom. Okay. Um, so uh, the reason I asked that question, and I, you know, I don't, I don't want you to share everybody's okay. diagnosis or, or everybody's eligibility, but the reason I asked that is because it isn't just a certain category of eligibility that might have that, okay, I'm really controlling it for today for this class and then gets home and has meltdowns or, you know, it releases them their true selves. So I wanted to clarify that because I didn't want someone to say, oh, well, she just probably has kids who have whatever they would fill in the blank with. Right. So the, yeah, the behaviors no, that can behavior. happen. Yeah. Yeah. The whole right. gamut. The whole gamut. gamut. Yeah, it yeah any eligibility. And, right. And depending upon what's going on in the classrooms, different things come out. You know, they might be great in one classroom, next classroom might be screaming and hollering. So it's in their behavior stuff comes out. So it just all depends upon what's going on, how things are being approached to the student. Um, my students, just like all students, don't like to say, you're going to do this now. Do right. this now. They, they don't understand that. So I, we, I do a lot of front loading, even with the kids who I go into support for resource, a lot of front learning. Hey, and Johnny, in five minutes, we are going to begin our vocabulary. So let, I'm gonna set my watch for five minutes. When it goes off, I'm gonna come back over here. We're gonna begin vocabulary. So just giving them that heads up and not just walking over to them. Didn't you just hear the teacher say, we're beginning vocabulary, open your vocabulary book. They don't, you can't do that. Right. I mean, I don't even do that at home. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes my teacher voice comes out and my husband says, hey, your teacher voice is coming out again. Please stop. I'm like, huh, it did? Okay. All right. Um, well, yeah, because it's such a natural part of you and any teacher yeah. will tell you that's the case. It's a natural part of us because it, I do that often. But yeah, I, I mean, we do that at home too. We get it's like, hey, five minutes, we're going to we're going to leave for this or that or whatever. And so we're we're giving them that heads up of notification time, you know, and, and for some students, you do have to put that timer on and you really need to be careful, or at least this was always my experience, that if you say it's going to be five minutes and you set the timer and the timer goes off, you do need to do what you said yeah. you were going to do at the five minute mark. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can't say, wait, we're going to do, wait, wait, you got five more minutes. No, 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 right. because people have transitioned in their minds and they're ready to go on to the next thing. Right. Like last year, I had a student. Um, I said, okay, I will go with you in five minutes. Give me five minutes. Five minutes came up. Okay, can you give me one more minute? One more minute came up. I, can, can you just please <laughs> look at me and goes, no, grab my hand and say, we're going. And we walked out the door because he, he already waited. It's been right. more than five minutes. Right. Later he did say he was sorry, but I gave him the five minutes and I had to go, okay, I'm not done. You know, yeah. you have to deliver within that time period. Right. We have to stick to our words. And, and even when it's difficult and I want 
the audience to understand too that you didn't get mad at the student when they no. when he told you no because you were like oh right i've i've already given you the time you've transitioned i've told you hang on give me another minute you gave me that other minute and i'm still like trying to you know drag this on and and he needed that right for, for his sanity for his structure he needed you to 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 move and do what right. you had said you were going to do so when that happens too, teachers, parents, don't take that personally. You've promised them something. They're holding you accountable, just like you would expect to hold them accountable if they've said they were going to do something. It's they're just doing it in reverse. Yeah. And it's they're not trying to be smart Alex or mean or in any way disrespectful. They're just that's what you've said. We need to do this. Yeah. And now I know I see why my husband gets aggravated at me sometimes. Okay, hon, just give me five minutes. Look at me like, wait, oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the story. You know, you tell your wife 20 minutes before you want to leave. We're going to leave in 20 minutes and then yeah. you know it's going to be an hour. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I get that sometimes. Yeah, I got that the other day. It's like, okay, we're leaving. And then the time came and he came and I was still talking to a client. He's like, um, we're leaving. <laughs> okay, I'm doing my best. I'm trying. <laughs> It happens. It happens. Yes, it but I want, the, I want the audience to also understand um, we are recording this on a Sunday morning. And she said earlier she was getting phone calls already from parents and teachers on, a, on her weekend, on her Sunday mornings. But I think if you've really been paying attention, you've probably caught on to the fact that Nicolette is doing tons and tons of work outside of whatever her technical school day hours are. And I, I absolutely have, you know, amazing respect for Nicolette, but I want you to also understand that it isn't just Nicolette that does that. Now, I still think she goes above and beyond what even the other teachers that I know that spend way more than their average day in a classroom hours are, but she's always working. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, she really is. And it's amazing when she takes time off because she doesn't do that because she is so focused on helping her students. And so we've talked about students now for a good long time. I want to switch and I want to talk about how you're supporting. You have a large group of teachers that have joined an, a group with you or, or a business, whatever you want to call it. Um, so how are you supporting teachers? What are you doing with teachers outside of the classroom? So with the teachers I'm supporting, um, we use a curriculum that is that is aligned to grade level standards. Um, some of them do, some of them don't. And I'm helping them to show them how they can break it down so they can be able to reach all the students in their classroom as well as build it up to get those kids ready to transition out of their classroom into more inclusion. Um, so. That's one way I do that. So I'm, I'm like helping them write lesson plans. I am helping them how to break down the standards, do I can statements. I have like a support group where people can ask questions about trying to figure something out. And it's just more of a community-based um, organization. So it's like, I have these set rules that you, you can't have any outside baggage. Like if someone starts trying to like ask weird questions, whatever, oh, sorry, no, because we want it to be focused. So when you know when you're in the group, you're actually focused on what you need to get handled. I know that teachers are busy. Right. <laughs> sometimes they want their questions answered, they can just leave after that. And then um, 
I coach the teachers too as well who wants the actual one-on-one coaching. Um, so it's a lot of in-depth and everything single thing that we're doing is research-based. So they can also use that information to be able to further develop their IEPs, build partnership with their parents, have a stronger year <laughs> instead of having years where things are just thrown all over the place. So, right. Yeah. yeah. And this is all done virtually, right? Yeah. It's all done virtually. Yeah. Yeah. So you're helping teachers all across just the United States, or do you have international teachers? I have a couple of international teachers, but mainly it's across the United States. Yeah, yeah. so. That's it, awesome. It, yeah, it's interesting because everyone looks at things differently um, mm -hmm. and about how things are perceived. I, like the whole big discussion lately has been ESY and how ESY is only supposed to be given out this summer. And, you know, I'm like, wait, no, that's not the case, <laughs> you know? Right and just explain to them what ESI fully, fully means. And they're like, okay, well, my district does this. Well, your district's wrong. Um, right. Go back to federal guidelines, you know, or they would say things like, well, they, my kid can only be included for, my student can only be included for um, art, science, or art, you know, all the electives. Well, that's wrong too. That's not inclusion. Let's, you know, right. just trying to get people's minds open and I know sometimes as teachers, it's a little hard for us to step outside of our box. In some schools, we can't do that because we are going to get ourselves in trouble. Um, right. But if you take the small steps and really, really, really partner with the parents who has enrolled the student within the school, change is going to happen. It might happen really, really slowly, but change is going to happen. Yeah. So speak to that a little bit more. Um, the If a school district isn't doing something like... I often get from my parents that I work with, you know, well, the, the school just doesn't care. Do you think that's the case? No, I don't think the school doesn't care. I just think the school doesn't know what to do. So since they don't know what to do, they don't answer the question the parents are answering. Um, the first forefront, I always say, is the teacher. The teacher needs to be communicating with the parent uh -huh. and having building that partnership with the parent. So if something needs to be changed, the parent can go to administration and say, hey, this needs to be changed here, here, and here. I'd like my child to be included for this, this, or this. Because um, the teachers can keep on saying things over and over and over again. Like, okay, here again, here's Ms. Lesniak again coming to the office for the sixth time today asking me a question. Mm -hmm. um, and usually I'm like, okay, sorry to interrupt you again, but, <laughs> and there's more power when it comes from the parents. It doesn't have to be the parents that are even in your classroom. It could just be the parents in general saying, hey, I heard about this. What about this? And the parents can say, hey, why don't you go ahead and let so-and-so know in the main office? Why don't you go and let know the special ed director know down the hallway? Why don't you, you know? So it's not just the teacher saying this thing all this all the same time. Right. You just sparked something in my brain that had never been sparked before is it doesn't have to be the parent of the child that's in your classroom, which continuing on with our inclusion conversation, if we have gen ed parents watching, to, if you do not have a child in special education at all, and, and your children are only in general education, go ask the administration, how are the special education students included so that my child has the experience of working with someone who learns differently than they do? Can you imagine I know. the change if the gen ed parents were saying, 
we want the special education students included in with our children. Yeah. Wow. That's <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be twelve. Wow. That yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just mind blowing to me because we often we have the special education students and their parents and their teachers fighting to include them, but it, it needs to come from the other side too. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I had to write that down. I got to work on that. <laughs> no, and, it, and it's great when you have a parent that says, Hey, how about Johnny for Miss Leslie? I do this activity too. And they're like going, Oh yeah. Okay. Let me, let me get a hold of Miss Leslie. I can see if, if Johnny can come and participate, you know, because right. some, of my, some of my students, even though you might not see it sometimes, one student was the most popular person in school and he was in my class, but he walked on the hallway. People were like, hi, Bobby. Hi, Bobby. He's like, hmm, hmm. you know, uh -huh. he's uh -huh. a popular person in the school. And the other kids would get upset sometimes when he wouldn't wave back and say hi to them. I mean, they're like, he didn't say hi to me in the lunchroom. I said hi to him like five times. I'm like, wait, probably because he was busy eating lunch. Yeah. Um, but right. I think it, he, he can come by later on and say hi to him. That's fine. Oh, I can't. Yeah, just knock on the door and come and say hi. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's so awesome. I had a group of kids that were with me. They were, um, except for specials, pretty much, they were with me. And they were in, in, in the tiny district that I worked in. They were the kids who had the most intense needs. And it wasn't that, you know, if they were in a different district, they would be in a super intensive class. It was just in my district. These were the kids who had the most intensive needs. And yeah, I mean, they were there were five of them. And they were known as the Fab Five because we were out and we were doing stuff and we were popping into classrooms and we were helping and we were and and the the one kind of one of the students, um, her parents were in a parade in our local area for some reason and they had her with them in the parade and she was hi everybody was saying hi to her and the parents are like how do all of these people know her <laughs> it's like because she is one of the five celebrities in their school and yeah i mean that's that's what it should be right we we shouldn't have students no matter whether they're always in gen ed or not because I know some students who are very, very shy who didn't get known by their classmates either. But um, but that's what inclusion is, is we we talk to everybody. We participate with everybody. And everybody, you know, it's like the cheer song. Everybody knows your name. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but it's everybody should be the most popular. I know that's not possible. But, you know, everybody should just be known. Right. And that's, that's what we, I think, especially education teachers fight for a lot, but okay. Sorry. I keep interrupting you because you keep no, giving fine. me these great nuggets. And <laughs> so but continue on with what you do with your teachers. Oh, so, um, yeah. So with the teachers, they join my Facebook group. Um, and then from there, we just, I have like a needs and wants thing. So they fill out a needs and wants, what they're looking for, what they need. And then I'm able to fill that. I do post in there for them, focusing on a particular post. Like I think last week we did, what did we do last week? Grading, scheduling and grading. Coming up, we're going to be working on communication and some other stuff. So it's more of like making it more of a small PD kind of, 
So you're not getting what you need from your school. So go ahead and join this group and you get more additional support that you need. Because sometimes as special ed teachers, we feel like we're on an island all by ourselves. Um, but we need to be able to be with other individuals to help and grow us. Because if we be staying on that island by ourselves, we become stagnant, we become bitter, we become hard. Um, and that's not what we need to do. Like, I love this um, fable from John Gordon. It's called, uh, I can't the name of it right now, but it's about a coffee, it's coffee bean, about a coffee bean, an egg, and a carrot, okay? So you can put a coffee bean in hot water and it brews and it tastes good. Like, here's my coffee right here and it becomes stronger, okay? Uh-huh. You can put an egg in hot water and it covers, the, the hard shell gets hard hard and brittle and you can be put a carrot in hot water and it becomes mushy as a teacher the three things or as an adult those three things we want to be we don't want to be mushy because that means we're letting everything in our environment completely destroy us you don't want to do that you don't want to become the egg because if we become the egg we're becoming hard and bitter with everything that's going on us we want to be the coffee or the coffee bean where we're growing in our environment and becoming stronger um, and that's why I decided to make this group and to really help and support our teachers nationwide and internationally. Because after last year, we need to become stronger. Absolutely. <laughs> and um, like here's my classroom inside of it is everything else that's going on. And I'm steeping in this hot water and I'm a coffee bean and I'm becoming stronger. I'm not becoming better. Or that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. It's a little fable thing. I have all my peers read it at the beginning of the school year. <laughs> No, that's really, really good. I'll have yeah. to um, have you give me that. You said it was called the coffee bean? It's called the coffee bean. I okay. had it on my shelf. I might have sent it off to one of my admin. I have so many books all over this place. Um, <laughs> um, it's called the coffee bean. It's a little really small, short book um, okay. by John Gordon. Yeah, I'll have to put the find like an Amazon link or or find it somehow and, and put that in on the comment section on when I air this. And that way people can look it up. Um, so we still have about 18, 19 minutes, but, um, how can people get a hold of you? Wait, hang on, hold hold that thought for a second. I'll ask that in a second. Cause you said, you said something that was so true in my teaching career. And I don't know that parents understand this because, you know, they're not in the education system and they, they, everybody has their idea of what teaching is like or what any job is like. Oftentimes what you said is that special education teachers are on an island. Yeah. And that was certainly the case in the districts where I come from because they're very small districts. And, you know, there would be 30 gen ed teachers in the building or in the district and one or maybe two special education teachers. And so that's a similar percentage nationwide of the percentage of gen ed teachers and the percentage of special education teachers. And there's a lot of information that parents assume teachers have, especially when it comes to special education, but that we don't have. Right. And so sometimes it's, it probably most of the time, it really isn't that your teacher doesn't want to give you something or or wouldn't want to help in a certain area, they don't know that they can, or they don't know where the resources are because we don't have a plethora or an unending supply 
of resources as special education teachers or as even gen ed teachers. I mean, they don't have it either. Um, and you said the letters PD, which stands for professional development and teachers have to get that to continue their license and to continue to grow as teachers. And if they, you know, go on to get a master's degree or something else. Um, and so making sure that as a parent, when you're in these IEP meetings, that you're requesting the professional development for the special education teacher or for the gen ed teacher that pertains to your child. Right. Um, I had a administrator, um, like a, 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 a region-wide administrator reach out to me recently and ask me if I was still providing professional development and special education things because he had had two or three different school districts reach out to him and say, we can't find anybody that will do special education professional development. Right. And in, in my area, again, I don't know about in Indiana, but when we would have those days where it would be, okay, here's, you know, a whole day of professional development and you have 85 less uh, presenters to choose from to watch five classes, 80 of those would be gen ed. Right. And five would be for special ed. And unfortunately they would often be at the same time. <laughs> it's like, okay, here's the five choices for special ed. They're all from one to two. That's it. That's all you get. And yeah. you can't be in five places at once. No, so yeah you know, asking for that. You can ask for that in the IEP. You can ask for that at the meeting. You can ask for that to be written into the IEP that your teachers are getting the training that they need. Yeah. And what I always stress too, is that if a student is having a, um, have a behavior, have a bad behavior intervention plan, and it's written by either the school psychologist or it's written by the behaviorist for the district, I always stress in those IEP meetings too, the behaviorist or that school diet, um, psychologist, whoever wrote that BIP, needs to come in and train the staff on that BIP. Um, and so that the parent can also be in too. This is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. And if the parent needs support to do this at home too as well, that person needs to reach out to the parent as well and help them be able to deal with those behaviors at home as well. Right. Because parent training is part of, yes, the, parent IEP training is part of the IEP. And that is not, also not known. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as master IP coaches, we, we, our mentor, she is on it. I mean, she just, she has like, she must eat, sleep and drink the, the <laughs> IEP because she just, she's always telling us things. She's like, well, you know, you can do this. And did you know that this was there? And the da, da, da. And when I took the mentorship, having been a special educator for 20 plus years at that time, 25 years already at that time, I was like, oh, I, I'm not really going to need the special ed stuff. I just really need like the business side of stuff. I learned as much, if not more, of the special ed stuff because the approach to things that she taught us is very different than the approach that I'd had as a teacher. The approach that was taught to me by <laughs> my school districts and my co-ops and all those sorts of places. So, um, yeah, like parent training, I never knew that that was part of the IEP process or option. Um, yeah. So yeah, if you're watching as a parent or a teacher, know that that's a that's a part that's of it. A part of it. And a lot of my parents they reach out during the summer to get parent training. Yeah. Um, and I gotta make sure I have all my stuff in a row. <laughs> like, okay, what do you want to learn today? Right. Um, but that's just that's just how I am. I go a lot for my parents because I know I need them to be able to support their students at home the same way I'm supporting them at school and me vice versa. So if I know that a kid's having an off week and they email me or call me right before school starts, 
Johnny just had a really bad morning. This, 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 this happened. I want you to be aware in case he comes in and destroys the classroom. There's a reason for that. Please, please let us know if he does do that. But I want to let you know ahead of time what's going on. So then I know when the kid walks in, he's in there. He's like, going like, Ugh. I'm like, oh, hi, Johnny. I'm so sorry that you didn't get any sleep last night. Uh-huh. How about we read a book? And then take a nap. We can all take a nice siesta. What does siesta mean? And then from there, I can start building other things in. And then when he's right. ready to take a nap, he can take a nap, you know, just so that he doesn't feel like he's exercised. And I'll say, okay, guys, who else needs a nap today? Another kid will raise their hand. Another kid, like, I only got two hearts. It's like, blah, blah. and it's just building that community and feel like students are not alone. And so, right. yeah. And that's so key. Kids can take naps at school. <laughs> yes. I've, I often did that. And the, and the communication, again, between you and the parents, I was blessed to have that with most of my parents as well. And it is so important that you know, just like you parents, you want to know what happens during the school day. We need to know as teachers what's happening at home because just like behaviors carry over from school to home, they carry over from home to school. And rather than... You know, in that case, if if the parent hadn't communicated with you and he came in like he did and he, you know, started to destroy stuff, you would have had to go through a whole different process of dealing with him because you didn't have that information right forefront. I would have had to do it all clear. I would have to call admin. I would, you know, everything. And that's not a good way to start off a day no. or a week. It's no. just, yeah. And you you likely avoided a lot of potential behavior issues because you knew ahead of time and you did have a good way to address it. Like, okay, well, this is, this is what's happening. And it's, I, I had a parent who um, her child, whenever she would have to give him cough medicine, it affected the medicine that he took on a daily basis, but they would often forget to tell me that, you know, because it's like, Oh, you know, he was, he had his allergies, you know, they acted up and it was just like a quick thing. Like they didn't even register in their own brain that they had given him cough medicine that day. And then, you know, he'd have all these different behaviors and I'd finally reach out to the parent and I'm like, did you give him cough medicine today? <laughs> Cause it wasn't every time. Sometimes right. his behaviors were nothing related to, to cough medicine, but you know, half the time, at least it wasn't like, if you would have just told me he had cough medicine, I would have been able to approach this differently. But yeah, I mean, it's those little tiny things that you may not think as a parent have an effect on your kids, but they can. So yeah. having that communication, you know, whether it's a Google form or it's, you know, a text message or an email or a phone call or what a, a note, whatever it is, you know, smoke signals, I don't know, <laughs> you know whatever it is just communicate. And, and that's, and I think that's been the whole basis of, of the majority of this conversation today is communication yeah. sure. with everybody is so important from teacher to teacher, teacher to parent, parent to student, teacher to student, that, that we all are understanding as much about what's happening with this individual student as we can, because then we all are going to be able to help that student the best that we can and the most yeah. that we can. And it's all about getting them prepared for life after high school, life after middle school, life after whatever, so they can become more independent um, and you go after their goals. Um, and that's all that really, really matters. 
That's absolutely true. The IEP is there to prepare them for further education, employment, and yeah. independent living. <laughs> she couldn't quite say it with me because she's like, I don't know which one she's going to say next. <laughs> she knows it. We both know it very well. Okay, yeah. so now let's get back to how do teachers find you? How do how do parents that want to work with you find you? Um, how can people reach out to you? Um, they can email me. Um, my email is really, really simple. It's Nicolette at Nicolette Lesniak. Okay. Com. Yeah. I have to think of the ending of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what it is. Um, you can reach me there. Um, you can also reach me on Facebook. Just lurch my name, Nicolette Lesniak. You'll be able to find me. Um, so yeah. Awesome. Is there anything else? I mean, we do, we don't have to wrap up, but we, we can. So, um, is there anything else that you want to say to either parents, teachers, admins, um, students? Um, I would, I would really want to say that we all have bad days. There are days and we have really, really bad days. Just remember this thing. Say it three times. I'm going to say my friend, but my friends told me this. They go, say anything you want to say three times before you save, save a friend. So if I'm really, really angry at someone, I'm not, I'm going to wait and pause before I say something to them. Mm -hmm. So I tell my kids, or tell my students, count three times, save a friend. And sometimes I had to count six times, four times, five times, you right. know, just to be able to get myself regulated. Because even us as teachers and adults and parents, we need to regulate ourselves too. So Absolutely. if that means to step away and then come back, then step away and come back. Um, my husband doesn't like me saying this all the time. Okay, I got to check on that for a minute. But sometimes I have to say that because I don't want to say the wrong thing. Okay, just give me a minute. Let me check on that for one minute and then I will get right back at you. <laughs> you know, just so that everyone's at peace. It's hard being a teacher. It's hard being a parent. It's hard feeling like our students and our child's needs are not being met. But if we communicate with each other, effectively communicate with each other, then we can actually all work together to build a plan and support the student, the family, the parent, and the teacher. Absolutely. That's awesome. All right. Well, I'm not going to add anything else to that because that was a perfect way to end this. So thanks everyone who is watching this in replay. Um, if you have any questions, I know this wasn't live, so you didn't get a chance to ask Nicolette in person, but if you have any questions or if you have any comments, um, please put them in the chat and I will be sure to get them to Nicolette. And then I will also, um, if I forget, because <laughs> I, I tend to do that, I've got a bunch of things that I've got planned out for the next few days in my head. So if I forget when this airs to add in her email or to add in the uh, fable that she talked about, um, be sure to reach out to me and say, hey, what was that again? Or, you know, if you have any any questions at all, um, make sure you do that. And thank you, Nicolette, again, for joining me today. Um, every time I talk to you, I learn something new and wonderful that you're doing. And I'm so proud of you and all the great things that you're doing for not just students, but for teachers, um, which in turn is for students. Right. Giving Giving everyone the support that they need in order to help all of our kids um, make our world a better place. And I think that's what we all want to have is a, is a better world. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I right. will see you all next time. Thank you so much. Bye.